You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio. Busy show, Greg Millen, NHL on Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada, former NHL goaltender at the bottom of the hour. Dennis Bernstein, Sirius XM, NHL Radio, senior writer, fourth period at 8 o'clock. Peter Labardius, Sports at 960, the fan flames analyst. And uh, we'll get a life lesson from Lou at 830. Uh, also, your chance to win. We're doing this all week. We're giving uh-huh. away a round for four, a foursome at the Wingfield Golf Club. We're doing this all week, and we're doing it via the text line, maybe mixing a couple phone calls. We're asking you a 960-960. Jacob Markstrom smashes goalie sticks like I smash blank. Jacob Markstrom smashes goalie sticks like I smash blank. 960-960. Make sure to include your name and location because that's how you can win. Listen, the golf season draws ever close. Yeah. The weekend, the sun was out for extended amounts of time. I saw the snow melting and Things I got excited. Things were melting. Yes. I went to the sim. Actually, uh, swung pretty well. Mm. Enjoyed it. We're getting closer. Yeah, we are. Um, we might have to go see our boy Scotty down at Launchpad. Yes. Um, hit some golf balls at Launchpad. That would be fantastic. Again, uh, all week, our friends at uh, Wingfield Golf Club, uh, visit them at Wingfield Golf Club, wingfieldgolf.ca. We're giving away a foursome all week. Jacob Markstrom smashes goalie sticks like I smash blank. Before we get to the break, I'm mm-hmm. going to give you some uh, NCAA bracket math that's going to break your brain. Okay. And then at the end of uh, the hour, uh, after we talk to Greg Millen, um, I'm going to tell you the chances of surviving a zombie apocalypse in Calgary. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Coming off The Last of Us. The finale was last weekend. Yeah. I got Apocalypse on the mind, although the zombies in that show kind of lacked, if I'm being honest. But it's fine. Oh, okay. It's fine. I'm, uh, I'm a lot of emotional storytelling, but that was a lot of fun. Going to give you the chances. Great show. Looking forward to more zombies in the second season. Um, great night last night or yesterday uh, for the Flames on the out-of-town scoreboard. Jets lose 3-0 in St. Louis to the Blues. And uh, the Predators got absolutely beat up in New York by the Rangers. Seven zip. Um, All of a sudden, Flames uh, just four points back of a playoff spot this morning. uh, And they now have a game in hand on the Winnipeg Jets. That game is tonight in Los Angeles against a good Kings team uh, who has been playing well lately as well. What's the playoff chances? Do you have it there? Uh, From Money Puck, who's one of the public analytic models, they had jumped up to 40% this morning. I didn't see what they were yesterday, but they were between 20 and 30. So it's... About a 15% gap, I would suggest. And then the Athletic over uh, with Dom's model uh, still has not been updated this morning, but they were 23% yesterday, and you got to expect that's going to be up somewhere in the 30s. Uh, his model hasn't been nearly as bullish on the Flames of late. So, uh, yeah, still certainly a chance. And, you know, it's one of those things that over the course of the weekend, yeah, your scoreboard watching, yeah, the first three quarters of the season, you didn't play good enough to put yourself in a spot to be here where you are scoreboard watching to, to this extent, but yesterday, You're was in good, it. yesterday was a good day. And and the Jets do not look good right no. now. Like, they are fading hard. Um, Predators don't have Roman Yossi or Philip Forsberg. Kevin Lankin in four goals on five shots before he got pulled for UC Saros as well. And Saros is starting to look a little bit tired, much like Connor Hallebach. 
I don't know. It's certainly like it's up for grabs. You got to make hay where you can. Yeah, but certainly not out of it, even after a, a loss on Saturday. Um, right now, to uh, Dallas uh, leading the Central Division, eighty-nine points. But the Avalanche don't look now uh, three points back with two games in hand, and the uh, Golden Knights leading the Western Conference as the number one seed right now with ninety-two points. Uh, if I'm secretly a Flames fan, if you you want to have your cake and eat it too, and I understand you have to get to the playoffs <laughs> first. Maybe root for the Golden Knights here down the stretch too. Maybe win the division mm-hmm. and then play the Golden Knights in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs if you can get there. And then why not if you're the Calgary Flames? Vegas has created a uh, three-point cushion on whoever's in the Central Division. Um, you got to imagine that it's probably going to be you know either Vegas or LA almost at this point that is able to kind of take that uh, first seed in the Western Conference. And as much as Vegas has been getting some decent goaltending of late, Jack Eichel's been playing pretty well. We don't know what Jack Eichel is going to look like when the postseason rolls around. He's never played in that type of hockey before, uh, and let alone done it in the Western Conference. We still don't know what Mark Stone is going to look like. Like th- this isn't like last season, where it was, hey, if you're the eighth seed, like like Daryl Sutter said at one point, it's a waste of eight days to face the Colorado Avalanche in the first round. But that still could happen. It still could happen very much so. But I also don't look at Colorado as much of a wagon as they did last year. Like when you got Lars Eller, Alex Newhook, and JT Comfer, kind of that second, third line center guys they're rotating through, it's not Kadri. Yeah. And listen, we talked about Kadri this year. He hasn't been as good. And, but And Landeskog hasn't played all year. Landeskog hasn't played. Like there's there's a few things here around the Colorado Avalanche that you just look at and you say, I just it's not the same as last season. They're a very good team. And yeah. I haven't checked the odds lately, but they're probably still the favorite to win the Western Conference. But they don't scare me as much as maybe they did last year. I also, their their goaltending has been a little bit shakier than it was last year with Darcy Kemper. And again, in, in all of this too, um, the Seattle Kraken kind of lurking here for the Calgary Flames. Only six points back of the Kraken, although Seattle does have a game in hand. Uh, biggest takeaway for me on that game on Saturday night is mm-hmm. um, bad bad bounces. Uh, you continue to hit posts, and it's, it's actually laughable how uh, the breaks the Flames aren't getting this entire season. But also uh, Nazem Kadri's play and uh, being in the coach's doghouse right now for Daryl Sutter. Something I want to ask Greg Millen and Peter Labardius about because they need a lot more from 91 here with the 12 games remaining in the season. They need a ton from him. And I get it. Like He had an incredible year last year, cashed in on his, on his incredible year, won a Stanley Cup. New city, new surroundings, but he knows what it's like to play in a Canadian market. There this was, is nothing new to Nazem Khan. There were stints early on in the season where we called him their best player. Yes. In the first 25, 30-ish games, there were several, if even, not many games, even, where he was their best player. Even in the first five games of the season, he was dynamic. Mm-hmm. They need that guy back. 100%. They desperately need him back here. And uh, lately, though, I have liked the game. Lindholm's elevated his play. Backlund continues to be uh, the best forward on this team. The and dude was uh, out even, of his mind against the Stars. Even Huberto has been better lately. Playing with, oh, strange. Put him on a yeah. line with Backlund and the Coleman. Fixer. And things start the fixer. to work for him. And uh, even even something I don't think we've talked enough about is uh, Uyghur's improved play of late. Three and, points. Uh, Anderson uh, is, is playing a lot better of late after that super scary incident in Detroit. The top pair looks like a top pair right now. Like a bona fide, legit top pair. And as much as, you know, I don't love going with two righties on one pair, this is the hand that you've been dealt as the Calgary Flames. And 
Weger hasn't looked out of place playing on his offside at all. The other game, he scored a, a nice goal off a face-off play, which you only score when you have a guy who's playing his offside off a face-off play at the blue line. He's been great of late. He's jumping into the play. He's like the thing about Mackenzie Weger, you never had to doubt the effort or the kind of given S that this guy brings to yeah. every single night. Like he's one of the most hard nosed kind of competitors. That's how you make it this far, this much of an NHL career is being a seventh round pick. But he, he continues to impress. And and now that he's I, I found that maybe at times he was kind of not overstepping, but maybe being a little bit overzealous in the way that he would check guys and it would kind of leave him out of position every once in a while. I feel like he's really kind of not even settled down, but just starting to manage things a little bit better. And I don't know if it's because he's playing with Raz or if it's just been, hey, 65 games to kind of get used to a new system and a, yeah. and a new environment, but he's been one of their better players on the blue line of late for sure. And, and he's fun to watch. And there's at least fight with this team. Yeah, there's a lot. And you can see the frustration what? in the room, all the comments after you were in the room after Michael Backlund yeah. after he just missed that goal and it's everyone like, in the saddle dome heard it's like, like, like how do this, does this keep happening to this team and essentially a coin flip situation? That's three on three. The team was dejected after that one too. And listen, you lost and you're fighting for every point here. I, I get it. But like we've talked about, there were there were some good things that happened in that game against Dallas. And here's the thing. That's a good team. We've talked about the strength of schedule a lot. If you play like that, well, at least in the like back 40 minutes, if you play like that against teams like Anaheim that you have the rest of the way, yeah. you're going to end up getting a few points along the way. Yeah, and uh, like we've talked about, the Predators have a very tough schedule the rest of the way. And they got lambasted by the Rangers. The Predators actually have the most difficult schedule in the entire NHL. Well, the Flames have two games against LA, a game against Vegas, and the rest of teams are are not necessarily elite with 12 games left. Uh, will not be easy uh, tonight in Los Angeles against the Kings, although the Kings are dealing with some injuries themselves. And um, that's a team that, again, going to be a tough game tonight. Uh, they've had a really good bounce back season from Drew Doughty, too. And it just doesn't feel the same without Matthew Kachuk not here when the Kings and yeah, without yeah. the old uh, yeah. nineteen and eight rivalry yeah, going it, back and forth. It was so forth. fun. It was, and even uh, I heard uh, I watched Drew Doughty on After Hours on Saturday night. Uh huh. Thing uh, when he played the Panthers, he goes, he didn't have too much to say this time, and it was kind of a little disappointing. Yeah, but again, it doesn't have the same jam like it used to. But again, just a critical game for the um, Flames tonight. Minimum in this back to back, you got to get three out of four points. Like. I, Minimum. The way I, the one thing I'll say on Matthew Kachuk is the way that he's just been like, now I'm a Panther and just like turned everything for, as yeah. his time of a flame and been like, yeah, that's in the past. Like that has been impressive. Yeah. The way that he's just been ripping the bandaid off this year. Congrats to Matthew Kachuk and his success and all that jazz. But this is a huge set. You got the LA Kings who, like you mentioned, a little bit banged up over the course of the year. But at the same time, They've been playing some pretty good hockey. Mm -hmm. They're right behind Vegas, and Vegas has been one of the best teams in the NHL since the All-Star break, and somehow L.A. has managed to keep pace with them to only be you know what a couple of points off of uh, top spot in the Pacific Division. With equal games played, both these teams have 12 games left to go. It's always a fun game. It's always a bit of a rivalry game because as much as Matthew Kachuk is gone, there's still guys like uh, you know Michael Backlund who have played against Drew Doughty for basically their entire careers 
and I don't necessarily think are, are probably fans of one another. So I'm looking forward to this one. Three of four, I think you're probably right. Uh, you, you captured a, a key point against Dallas, but you really would have liked to have two there. Anytime you go into Anaheim, especially this time of year, that should be two points. The biggest one here is in L.A. But I would also say the Flames have played better on the road than they have at home lately. And, and again, it, and this is this is confirmation bias at its best. It seems like when they play the better teams, uh, they do bring their A game. And uh, Kings have a good power play, sixth best in the NHL. Uh, they've scored the fourth, tied for the fourth most power play goals in the league. Uh, but that's one thing that, to me, when the Flames are at the top of their game, their penalty kill is super aggressive in creating chances uh, in the other team's end while shorthanded. And we potentially could see that tonight. But again, you, you got to get three out of four points here. You, you, you'd figure that game tomorrow night against the, the Ducks is, is a, is a you got to win that game. And tonight, if at least you get a point and get your heart broken once again in overtime, I think you take mm-hmm. it against a solid Kings team. Dennis Bernstein's going to join us at 8 o'clock. Tee up the Los Angeles Kings side of things. And we'll get, I, always, I, always, I always like to get the perspective from out of market, from people who are really dialed into the league, get their thoughts on the Calgary Flames. Because I think that's a very uh, prevailing thought with hockey media around North America is this is an underachieving team mm-hmm. that should be better than they are. And maybe right now are starting to show a little bit of what we thought they were going to be for the whole year. Minus, you know, a couple of things like we've talked about. Yeah. But for the most part, the play of late is, I think, more of what we thought it was going to be earlier on in the season. Yeah. Um, We'll talk to Greg Millen straight ahead, uh, former NHL goaltender, uh, NHL on Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, But first, um, you and I didn't fill out a bracket this year. No, we did not. Usually, I haven't done it in a couple of years because I just, I'd much rather bet on individual games. Mm-hmm. Than actually fill out a bracket. Patrick, did you fill out a bracket this year? Yeah, it's behind you. It's up in oh, the okay. corner. Oh, okay. Well, how are right you there. doing so far? Not good. Okay. <laughs> I printed um, four off. Nobody did it. I was the only one. Okay. Um, I, I carried it around in my backpack for like 10 days. If so that changes anything. You, uh, you're, Thanks. you're, you're, <laughs> you're a uh, Gonzaga <laughs> supporter. Yes, sir. So yesterday, something so incredible, so heartbreaking. Such joy for a lot of people and just crushing defeat in others. Uh, at the end of the game, I don't know if you saw this, Matty. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs were four and a half point favorites. I did see they that. They were up 15 <laughs> with seven. With, uh, they're up seven with 15 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game, two foul shots. Uh, Zags are up um, six points with 0.7 seconds to go. They roll the ball in and it goes pretty much two thirds of the way court before they picked up. And then Hunter Salas jacks up a meaningless three <laughs> which which goes and then TCU cuts it to three points and TCU covers the spread breaking the hearts of many people and crushing the souls of many people around North America who bet on that love that backdoor cover man it was a, such a backdoor cover and they have that one um clip from uh circa in Vegas people going when that ball, that meaningless yeah. three went down because people knew what it meant. Man, that's a bad, that is an incredible win if you're on that side and a just soul-crushing defeat on a meaningless three, it, which was an absolute swish by Hunter Salas. It also happened on uh, Thursday with Alabama and Texas and, and Corpus Christi. Uh, Alabama was 22 and a half point favorites and then Corpus Christi heaved up a three with no time yep. left and <laughs> covered it. Yeah. <laughs> It was unbelievable. <laughs> um, I want to get into the brackets. Uh, Alex, can I get some math music? 
immediately. Math music. Now. With now, math chord. Did you ask him for math music math before the music. show? Or you no, I'm just doing it now. That's why I did it. Let's see here. So I was just doing you it now. Grab you some? I, I need I math you. music. <laughs> so I'm going to bust out some math. Like what? Thank you. What? <laughs> this, is a, this is study music for math and physics exams. Okay. That's maybe a little too calm. Okay. Um, I'm, uh, can you match the tone of the music while you tell us these stats, please? Sure. Yeah, um, okay. According to ESPN.com, out of the over 2.1 million brackets filled out, 2.1 million brackets, zero are now perfect. Oh, none? <laughs> none. So here are your chances of picking a perfect March Madness bracket. Okay. One in 9.2 quintillion. Oh, my God. So in case you were wondering, Maddie Rose, in case you were wondering, here it is. One quintillion is one billion billions. You got that? <laughs> That's a lot of zeros. So according to uh, in the United States, the National uh, Weather Service, uh, the chance of you getting struck by lightning in your lifetime are about one in 15,300. Okay. Yeah. So this is wild. Here we go. Here's some numbers for you. Yeah, can we get some better math music? All right, one sec. One <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, there are... See, this there, is what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, that's better. You should turn it down a little bit. Okay. There are 31.6 million seconds in a year, Maddie. Okay. So 9.2 quintillion seconds is a quick 292 billion years. Okay. There are there have been five trillion days between the Big Bang. Okay. So repeat the entire history of our universe uh, 1.8 million times. <laughs> so here, there's more. The Earth's circumference is approximately 1.58 billion inches. Mm-hmm. You'd have to walk around the planet 5.8 billion times. <laughs> All right, here we go. These are the now. Here's the chance of you picking a perfect bracket. Okay. As of 2015, we're just going to use this as a reference point. Not too many years. Like yeah. Eight years. The best estimates for the number of trees on the planet was three trillion. Okay. Imagine there was one single acorn hidden in one of those three trillion trees, <laughs> and you were tasked with finding out on the first guess. Your odds of success are approximately three million times greater than picking a perfect bracket. Oh. <laughs> Your chances of picking an ap- an acorn out of, out of three any trillion tree trees on the planet is three million times greater than picking picking a perfect bracket. I got hmm. one for that's going to break your brain too. Okay. There is an estimated, again, they don't know this for sure, but there's an estimated 7.5 quintillion grains of sand on Earth. (laughs) If you picked one at random and you had to guess which of these 7.5 quintillion grains of sand on the planet it was, your odds of being correct would be 23% better than your odds of picking a perfect bracket. (laughs) Only 23%. Yes. Of picking the perfect grain of sand on the entire planet. Right. Okay. Then picking a perfect bracket. Well, I might never do another one. There you that, go. That might be it for me. There you go. There's I some numbers. I never think I thought I was going to get it perfect anyways, but... No. And Warren Buffett's a guy who offered like a billion dollars to somebody who... Yeah. Yeah. Great. 
Yeah, no, no Why chance. Why wouldn't you? You're never getting it. Yeah, sure. It's impossible. You can offer your entire everything. Yeah. Firstborn child and saw, every dime you have. I saw a number too. If over 66% of the U.S. population filled out a different bracket, it would take 365 years for somebody to get a perfect <laughs> bracket. At least. It's Whoa. just mind-blowing. So chances are you're never going to get a perfect bracket. It's never going to happen. And again, this year, none. Apparently, the closest some dude got on 2019, he was perfect after the Sweet 16, and then he flamed out. Like, even the Sweet 16. Yeah. You, that, it's at impossible. that point, everything's oh. gravy. Later Soon on, as after you won, it ruined everything. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, later on, I'm going to tell you your chances of surviving a zombie apocalypse if you're in Calgary. I hope they're better than getting a bracket. Uh, they are. They're much better. Um, we'll talk to Greg Millen next on the Flames. Uh, lots to discuss, lots to unpack. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Love from... Live love. Well, love. I love Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. I love love. Yeah, I know you do. Um, everything basement since 1992 covering uh, Calgary and Southern Alberta. The top of the hour, Dennis Bernstein, Sirius XM NHL Radio, senior writer uh, from the fourth period will join us. Peter Labardius, Sportsnet 960, the fan color analyst. We'll get some life lessons from Lou as well. And your chances to win right now, your chance to win. We're giving away a round for four at the Wingfield Golf Club. We're asking you on 960-960 on the text line. Jacob Markstrom smashes goalie sticks like I smash blank. 960-960 name and location. But right now, former NHL goaltender, NHL on Sportsnet analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Greg Millen. Greg, how are you? I'm great. Good morning. Um, Wanted to ask you about uh, smashing your goalie stick. Um, has that, did that ever happen in your career? Were you a guy who did that? Uh, did sometimes your emotions get the best of you? How did you treat your goalie stick when you played in the league? Well, ours broke a lot easier, uh, back in the wood <laughs> days. So <laughs> you got to really get a pretty good swing to break the sticks today. Alyssa. And, uh, but you know, it's frustration. I get it. It's been a really difficult time for these overtime games and shootout games. And, you know, you look at the bench afterwards, we scanned our cameras down the bench, and, and I don't think they can believe it. I mean, it just has been one of those years where nothing's gone right in that regard. And, yeah, I mean, everybody gets emotional. I like emotion. Uh, you get frustrated. Uh, there's, we're all human. And I don't have anything wrong with it. I don't have any problem with it at all. I mean, it's just straight, you know, frustration. You'd, you'd rather that than somebody that doesn't care. And, and you know Markstrom cares a lot. Um, I just wanted to ask you really quickly before we dive into the Flames, um, the Jordan Bennington, Mark Andre Fleury incident, uh, where yeah. potentially they could have fought. Has did that ever happen in your career? I'm, I'm trying to think. Um, did you ever get into a goalie fight? Did it happen in junior hockey? Were you close? Uh, that did anything remotely close to the ha- that happen <laughs> to you, Greg Millen? Well, I don't know if you've ever uh, seen me live, but I'm not very big. So thank goodness it didn't ever happen to me. Uh, I was a lover. Uh, I can tell you that uh, I can tell you that the only time that ever happened to me, I was in, I, I got sent down to Pittsburgh my first year, basically got rid of me after a week, sent me home, and then shipped me to the International Hockey League, which back then was uh, another version of Slapshot. So I, 
I, I thought that I was, you know, like a junior, we just talked normally. There wasn't much in the way of goalie fights back in those days. And so I'm going, everybody seems to clear the benches. So I go over, I think I'm going to have a nice discussion with this other goalie. And uh, he blockers me right in the forehead and down oh. I go. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't take long. So that was my extent of my goalie oh. fight. So I think from that end, from there on, uh, I, uh, for whatever reason, it never happened. Uh, <laughs> They seem to happen more today than they did when yeah. I was around. I mean, even Billy Smith, you know, he used to swing a stick all over the place, but I don't remember him going down to the other end very much. So it's kind of a new thing. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? I, I, I've never been a big fan of, of of altercation and fighting unless there's emotion and a reason for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, goalie fights are like, it's like a stage fight to me. I mean, I mean, really? I mean, the two guys are really mad at each other when they're that <laughs> far away. That I mean, come on. So it, yeah, I, I'm I'm not a fan. Uh, I don't think that it's necessary based on, uh, you know, like I, I don't mind two guys going at it if they're really angry and there's a reason for it. They stage fighting for me. I think it's all the way out in the National Hockey League and, and pretty much gone anyway. And there's a union with you guys, right? And uh, like a like this fake uh, goalies union that you all have this mutual respect for one another because you just know how ridiculously difficult it is to be in the position. Well, there used to be. <laughs> I, well, I don't know anymore the way it's going. Uh, yeah, there certainly used to be that. And, uh, I mean, you know, emotions get high in the course of a game. And I guess, you know, Mark andre felt he had to go down because Bennington was, was doing his thing. And, uh, you know, if there's an, an advantage where there's an extra man, I guess I suppose that's why a goalie goes to the other end based on an unfair advantage in a, in a situation. But, uh I didn't see it in that part, but I have the greatest amount of respect for Mark Andre Fleury. I got lots of stories, that, real good stories about him and the kind of character guy he is. So, anyway, yeah, sure enough. Well, let's uh, get on to the Calgary Flames as well. Uh, tough loss against the Dallas Stars. There's a handful of things that we wanted to ask you about, but let's start between the pipes. Uh, just what what have you made of Jacob Markstrom lately, and and maybe in particular that game against Dallas? Well, I, I mean. It's been a it's been a difficult year for Jacob, but I think it's you know we always go to the goalie. It's the focal point. I get it, and now I am going to put my union hat on. And yes, does he think he should have played better throughout the course of the year? Absolutely. Those first shots going in uh, was that problematic for sure. Um, of late, he's been spectacular. I mean, yes, you could look at a couple of goals the other night and go, mm, eh, maybe not. Uh, but then again, you could have gone to the other end against a very good goalie, and you would have probably said the same thing. Mm, yeah, you know, it was just one of those shootout games, last shot one. And unfortunately, it was in the overtime session again. But uh, the other the other thing you got to be careful of here, I mean, you look at the schedule coming up. and mm-hmm. I, You know, I don't know if he might have been a little, like I hate to make excuses, but that was, that was a game where everybody was tired. They got in, at, I think, 3 in the morning. Uh, from Las Vegas, and then the, to, to turn around and play, you get a day off. But to turn around, that might have been a game I may not have put him in for. I may maybe would rush him for the California trip. But when you're needing points and you're playing Dallas, I get it. But uh, you wonder if that – I mean, you're going to have to split this up a little bit here coming up this week. This is ridiculous, the schedule. I mean, yeah. you, you go to California, you come home for one, you go to California, then you come back for two really tough games, or one really tough one, and then another one at home. It's It's crazy, really, to be honest. Yeah, it's been really tough for him. And now they got two back to backs. You got to think that Dan Vladar gets into at least one of them coming up. Maybe this game against Anaheim coming up tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I just totally. want to. I, totally. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the second goal, the one that uh, goes off the referee and kind of sits there. How did you see that one? Is as maybe a tough break for Markstrom, or 
Like, I'm just wondering how you saw it as a former goaltender. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're trying to wheel the puck up the boards, and you don't expect the, the referee to be against the boards. And he was against the boards. And, mm. I mean, I don't know how the refs get out of the way anyway, to be honest. With, 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 it's so fast. They do a great job, but it's going to happen. And it's just, you know, I, I, when that one went in, I went, oh, boy. I mean, isn't this just the capsule of the flame season? <laughs> you know, what next? And then, and, you know, it hits the ref. Not only does it hit the ref, but it goes right back on the tape of the opposition and bing, bang in the net. I mean, you know, he did the right thing, Mark. He goes out, he fields the puck, he's, he's wheeling it around the boards. You don't expect the referee to be tight against the boards like he was, and it hit him, and... You know, it's in the net. And again, as a team, you can't help it. You're human. You go, oh, you you just, what next? And I think there's a little bit of that going on with the group, particularly in the overtime session. I mean, they had a pretty good overtime. Things are going well. And then an individual effort, and and they score. And they all know it. Everybody knows it. Everybody in Calgary knows it. If you split the extra session games and the bonus points, they're in the playoffs right now. And they're in pretty easily. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a frustrating, you know, scenario for sure. Uh, I would suggest for for all involved, including the fans who are, are yeah. and in me. I mean, you know, I I enjoy watching the Calgary Flames as well, and you know, do a lot of home games. So when I'm a home broadcaster, you know, you you don't root for them, but you do quietly. When you're a national broadcaster, you have to take it a little bit differently. But uh, you know, I, I'd I'd like them to get in and win as much as anybody. We need Canadian teams in, and Calgary's a great city and a great bunch of guys and a great team. So. I'm no different. I'm just going, wow, what next? Um, Greg Millen, NHL on Sportsnet analyst, former NHL goaltender, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Big Show, Rustic and Rose, 960, the fan. Uh, Greg, wanted to ask you about that overtime as well. Uh, To me, the most interesting part of that overtime was, well, number one, uh, there's the bad puck luck and the posts and the puck hopping over Backlund's stick, which looked like a tap-in at the side of the net. But Mm. what were your thoughts on Nazem Kadri not getting a shift in overtime? Well, you know, one thing about Daryl, and I respect him for this, if you're not playing well, you don't play. And that's been, you know, the key to his success as a coach for years because he doesn't care uh, in terms of who you are, what your position is on the team. If you're not playing well, you're not going to play. And frankly, I mean, I think Nazan would be the first to admit that of late he hasn't played as well as he would like to play. So he got demoted a little bit, although I don't mind that line. And um, you could call it that. But, you know, so, hey, if, and if, you're not, if you're not going to perform the way the coach thinks you should be performing, then you're not going to play as much. And in this day and age, you can't put people on a bus and send them to the American League. You can't take their salary away. So the only thing you can do is paste them on the bench to send messages. And uh, Daryl's been doing that his whole career. I'm not surprised. Yeah, and, and like the thing for me with Nassim Kadri too is, you know, you got to find some guys that work with you. We've seen Blake Coleman and Michael Macklin be a tandem all season long. Lindholm and Toffoli have kind of been a tandem for a lot of the year. Has there anybody that you felt has really clicked with Nassim Kadri this season? Well, I think he was really good early. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you do a little bit of a rewind here, uh, the thing with me for Nas, and, and again, I've watched him a long time, and I've got a great amount of respect. He's got a Stanley Cup ring, and, and he's, he's had a wonderful career. But for me, he has to be edgy. Mm-hmm. And if he loses that, then he's not as effective. And I'd, I'd say that right to his face. You know, if, if He's got to be a guy that goes to the net, plays right on the edge, which is hard to do throughout the course of the year. And it's hard to do if you don't get yourself in suspension or penalty trouble like, you know, he's had in the past. So I'm sure he's a little gun shy that way doing it. 
But you have to, I, I believe for, for him to be an effective player, he's got to drive the net. He's got to be nasty. He's got a little edge. He's got to get under people's skin. He's wonderful at drawing penalties. He did it again the other night. He's mm-hmm. spectacular at it. Um, and that's, that's Nazem to me. And if, he, if he's not that, then I don't think he's as effective a player. And uh, so, but again, to do that over the course of an entire season is a tough job because every night you got to do it. And every night you got to bring it that way. And again, you're going to go through the course of a year where you might not get there. You lose that little bit of an edge. And I suspect down the stretch here, and hopefully if they get in the playoffs, Kadri will be be a factor. The one guy on his line now, uh, guys, that I have a lot of uh, time for is Dewar. Yeah, I think I think mm. I think he's got some upside. Now he's really young, you know. He's green. He's learning, but you know, great big guy that can skate. Got a bit of an edge. And uh, I, I, kind of, I quite like him, so I don't mind him with Nas, uh, you know. And then Dylan on the Dubé on the other side, a good player. So you know, you never know. That, that line could get get some traction yet. We'll see. Jacob Pelche scratched for a couple games, and I know there's some fans that are up in arms with this, but to me, it's kind of the natural progression for a young player who. Rightfully so. Didn't have a great game against Arizona. I don't think it's the last time we're going to see him in the regular season, but what have you made of everything surrounding Jacob Pelche over the last week and change? You'll probably see him this trip, I mm-hmm. would imagine. Yeah. But, um, first of all, I have been so impressed with him as a person off the ice and on the ice, his work ethic, his, his quality team play. So I, I wouldn't be too uh, concerned about him in, in, in getting down or upset about this. I'm sure that Daryl talked to him a lot. I didn't like his last couple of games. It wasn't just Anaheim, not because he wasn't trying, not because he did. He just looked tired to me. And, uh, you know, yeah. Daryl made a, Sutter made a real good point in, in his presser. Don't forget when everybody else was sitting down on the beaches somewhere, uh, you know, sunning, he went back to the American League, which, you know, may, may not have been the best thing to do, you know, looking back in hindsight. It's always easy to do that. Maybe you should have given the kid a little time as well, but you know, we all do that with young players as part of their development as managers, you know, managers like to do that, you know, looking back, maybe he should have been a kid that maybe should have given him a little rust as well and got away from the game. But in saying that he's getting it now. And, uh, you know, for the fans, I get it. He's an exciting young player that, you know, can contribute offensively, but he wasn't doing it the last few games. So get him a little rest, get him regroup, you know, get some good practice time in, the other the other side of the National Hockey League, and if you look at the schedule, particularly right now, teams aren't practicing. I mean, you can't. So mm. a kid like that, you know, who may slip a little bit, and you want to work on a skill or want to work on a few little things, you don't you don't have the opportunity. The only way you can do it is to pull them out of the lineup. Uh, you know, for all the optional practices and those morning skates where nobody else is on the ice, and work with work with a young player and get him back to where you'd like to see him be. So that, I, you know, again, uh, for sure, does everybody want to see him in the lineup? Yeah. Do I want to see him in? Yeah, he's an exciting player. But I think that uh, it's not a bad call here for a couple of games to, to let him rest a bit. And I'm sure he'll be back in there and, and exciting when he gets back in. Greg, how much more upside does Rasmus Anderson have? He's 26 years old and he's only played 365 career NHL games. How much more do you think we'll see out of Rasmus Anderson? Lots. <laughs> I think he's excuse me, such an underrated defenseman already. I liked him a couple of years ago or last year. I thought, ooh, early on, who's this guy? And uh, no, he's a, he's a real good player. And and you know, it's interesting. He makes everybody around him better. Uh, Uyghur's been a much better player now that he's been with Anderson. 
and uh, Uyghur will tell you that. Uh, you know, it's a good combination. You got a stay-at-home guy now, and you got a guy that can go a little bit and move the puck. And he's a good player. Like he, he does a lot of things really well. And another uh, fellow with some personality off the ice. And I like personality. I think it often goes with being a good player. And and he's got a lot of it. So he, you know, he comes to the rink with a smile. He, I'm sure he. I, I mean, we don't ever know what goes on in the locker room, and I'm never going to suggest that I do when I'm not there. But I would guess that he's a lot of fun to be around uh, hmm. behind closed doors also. Yeah. I, I get similar feelings about Mackenzie Weger, a guy who really has come into his own of late and kind of taken on a little bit more of a, a top role feel. Do you like the chemistry that you're seeing between Anderson and uh, Weger there? Yeah, a lot. Like I said, because of the home guy that stays at home and a guy that can take off. I did talk to Mackenzie before the, the last game. I ran into him in the morning. Yeah, And he talked about that. He talked about the fact that, you know, having Anderson with him has really helped him uh, because he moves the puck so well for him. And and then we both talked because I've been traded before <laughs> far too many times back in the day. And, and, it, and it takes some time, you know, to, to, uh, to climatize yourself to a situation. You can say the same for Hubido. And I know everybody out there, uh, they're making big money, you know, they suck it up. What are they doing? But, we're all human. You've got families. You've got um, you get used to new players. Certainly with Daryl Sutter, you got to get used to a new coach. I mean, he, he's a driver, and if you're not used to that, that takes a lot of time also. So if you, if you put those things all together, uh, you know, we often don't realize how long it takes to, to, to adjust to a trade, and, mm-hmm. and I think McKenzie's one of them, and I'm hoping that Hubido down the road will be another where you'll see a lot more from him. Greg Millen, former NHL goaltender who won, who once upon a time took a blocker to the head in the International League. Um, I learned a lot about you yeah. today, uh, Greg Millen. I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate yeah. your time. Now, now that expi- it explains everything, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And and again, yeah, like uh, it's listen. Nobody wants to take a blocker to the head. It's no. not an enjoyable experience. No. no. Helmet or no? no? They don't feel very good. They no. Very well. No. No. It's not like puppies licking your forehead at all. Um, Here's the oh. question: What has more give, a wood stick or a blocker? Hmm. Hmm. I don't think. Uh, I think you're old for two in that one. I yeah, don't want yeah that's a very Either one is yeah. not. Yeah, no, old for two. Yeah. Uh, Greg, <laughs> terrific stuff. Thanks for this. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Have a good day. There's Greg Millen, NHL on Sports and Analyst, former NHL goaltender on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. It's one thing to get sucker punched. Yeah. It's another thing to get sucker punched with a blocker. Yeah. Nighty night. Especially one of those old school, big, thick, heavy blockers that Greg Millen was rocking. Yeah, probably plated with steel. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Dennis Bernstein, senior writer for the fourth period, Sirius XM NHL host at the top of the hour. We'll tee up the Kings side of this Flames and Kings game. We'll get his thoughts on the Calgary Flames and look around a bit on the NHL, get his thoughts on the Jets and the Predators. Uh, but first, um, you're a big fan of um, the, Me? The, the zombie genre, I'd say. The Last sure. of Us, you've been watching it. Yeah, it was great. It The season's over, unfortunately, but uh, I really enjoyed the first season, sure. Um, so, uh, I, I came across the story on Friday uh-huh. and I definitely want to do it. Alex, can I get some zombie music, please? Thank you. Oh yeah. Oh, this brings me right back. So, um, if you're a Calgarian, so 
Oh, who's been watching The Last of Us? Like you. That's yeah. you, Maddie Rose. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Me. Uh, have you ever wondered how you'd fare in a zombie apocalypse? Uh, probably far too often for my mental health. But yeah, go on. Okay, here we go. Rentala, Rentala. ranked 35 metropolitan areas in Canada based on five categories. Okay. To survive a zombie apocalypse. What are the five categories? Vulnerability. Okay. Hideouts. Uh-huh. Supplies. Uh-huh. Safety. And mobility. Okay. You got it? Sure. Yep. Okay, here are the five groups. Here, here's how they've broken it down. Vulnerability. Population density. Perceived physical and mental health. Number of visits to a rapid zombie virus assessment center. Oh, like okay. the military pops them up, whatever. Yeah, sure. Hideouts. Yeah. Average household size. Had a park or green space close to home. Housing vacancy rate. Okay. Supplies. You had a garden area with trees, shrubs, flowers, or vegetables. Uh-huh. Safety. Crime rate per 100,000 population. Total firearms. Use of discharge. Pointing. Total weapons. Violations. Mobility. Walking, jogging, running, rollerblading, cross-country running, hiking, bicycling, built-up areas, roads, natural and semi-natural water, movable dwellings. All right. So they took all that stuff and they amassed it for a bunch of cities in Canada. Yes. They threw it in their log, in their yes. model, and it and it put out a bunch of results. Now, you guys don't know. Let's go around the room. Mm -hmm. Where do you think the best city in Canada is to survive a zombie apocalypse? Maddie Rose, you first. Is it a province or a territory? I'm. I'm. It's a. It's a major city in this country. It's a major city in this country. I'm gonna say Edmonton. How did you know that? It feels like a place that you could survive zombies. Because not even zombies want to go there. <laughs> Zing. No, Get them. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, no, but like I was thinking about. You know the like way that the, that the way that the houses are dispersed across. Okay, I think it is a you know it's probably a relatively safe city. I don't think it's a dangerous city mm. by any means. I don't think it's a desirable city, but I I don't think it's dangerous. Yeah, was Edmonton your guess, Patrick? Yeah. <laughs> are you guys kidding me right now? No, it's. Far. I was going to say Edmonton or Winnipeg. That would have been my other one. With with Edmonton, it's the farthest city in North America secluded ways. It's got the population. It's got the things you need, but it's also close to a bunch of nothing. Okay. And That's it does, what, okay. It doesn't there's have... a lot of forest up there. You get a little bit farther north yeah. of Edmonton, right. you're getting into a lot more forested okay. region. You're close just... to a lot of oil and gas. Uh, Winnipeg number six in okay. Canada. Okay. okay. Alex, were you, what were you going to guess? I was going to say Winnipeg or like Manitoba. I was going to say Charlottetown because it's on an island. Okay. Mm. Um, no. So um, Edmonton number one. Saskatoon, number two. Okay. Guelph, Ontario, number three. Never been to Guelph. We'll take your word for it. Calgary, Alberta, number four. Love to see it. That makes sense to me. Sprawling. Yep. But the roads, I think we've done a pretty good job here making everything at least accessible. Uh, it's pretty easy to get around town once you know the lay of the land. A um, couple the, of rivers. The rest of the uh, top ten. Farmland. Uh, after Calgary, it's Regina. Mm -hmm. Then Winnipeg. Uh -huh. uh, Kelowna. The greater Sudbury area. The <laughs> okay. Nickel Belt. Okay. Kingston. Mm. Uh huh. And then Abbotsford, Mission, BC. Abbotsford. So now here's the place where you're not going to survive a zombie apocalypse. And these apocalypse. are the bad ones? Okay. If you live I'm here, excited. you're screwed. I'm going to put a vote in. Can I put a vote in? Yeah. Oh. Victoria. Ooh, Toronto's uh, no, number but, one. No, it's not. What? 
It's not. Toronto is near the top of the list where you don't want to be for a zombie apocalypse. All right, hit me. The the worst city to survive a zombie apocalypse? St. John, New Brunswick. Oh. But there where are, are they there getting are island. Inf- no, New Brunswick's mainland. Oh. Based on the vulnerability, hideout, supply, safety, and mobility issues. Hmm. Yeah, you're not going anywhere in St. John. You're pretty much going to get eaten by a zombie. Followed by Belleville. Okay. Trois-Rivières, Quebec. Uh-huh. Montreal, Sherbrooke. A lot of these are in Quebec. I guess the zombies have a taste for smokes. And uh, <laughs> Toronto, Ontario uh, is near uh, right there. Huh. Near the top of the list. Lethbridge is there, too, in Alberta. Last of Us was filmed in Lethbridge, too. Yeah. I'm... Victoria's on that list, too, of you're not going to survive a zombie. This is the type of thing where... I want I'm I'd like to look into it more. You've yeah. piqued my interest, George. There you go. You but... remember when they did like uh, the Deadliest Warrior back on Spike TV yeah. for only men? Yeah, it's like what like if a they did this against the... a knight? Yeah, yeah but so lame. no, but what if they could do this where they're like actually try and simulate it in each one of these cities? I think it'd be a little difficult. Well, obviously it would be difficult, but mm-hmm. you'd have to use the magic of Hollywood, George. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the fourth safest city in the country is Calgary to survive a zombie apocalypse. And our friends to the north, Edmonton, the safest place to survive a zombie apocalypse. Um, Dennis Bernstein, senior uh, writer, fourth period, straight ahead, Sirius XM, NHL Radio. Tee up the king side of this Flames and Kings matchup tonight. We'll look around the NHL with him and our man Peter Labardius. At mm-hmm. 8.30, I will get Lou's take on that overtime loss, 6-5, get his thoughts on Nazem Kadri, get a life lesson, too. And we're still giving away these uh, the foursome to Wingfield Golf Club. Jacob Markstrom smashes goalie sticks like I smash blank. All straight ahead in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.